Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen. There's something wonderful happens when we say that word, hallelujah. Because it is one of those words in Scripture that ties the earthly with the heavenly. It is a combination of heaven and earth. And I'm thankful that we can come to a place where we can connect to something higher and bigger and better and stronger than our present circumstances. Aren't you glad you know a God that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think? Do you love Him today? Would you let Him know that right now? We praise you, Lord. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. What a great privilege to be in the presence of the Lord. And I have sensed that today in this place. Very grateful for the wonderful spirit of worship that I have felt in the house. And I am thankful for what God is going to do in our midst today. I... uh, Realize that our church has been through a very uh, challenging time the last few weeks, but I feel the strength of God in this building today, and I'm thankful for that. Praise God. It's so good to see the Stark family, all of them. Amen. Had a family reunion here yesterday, and thankful that they stayed over. Thank you, all of our guests, for being here today. For a few moments, and I will not be lengthy, or at least I'm going to try not to be. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read from the New Century Version. If you have it, it would be listed as NCV in your Bible app. If you don't have it, they're going to put it on the screen so you don't have to worry about it. Some of you don't ever worry about it. You need to worry about the Word. You need to bring it with you. Don't just... Wait for somebody else to help you out. But I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 1, chapter 12, verse 1. He said, For we are surrounded by a great cloud of people whose lives tell us what faith means. So let us run the race that is before us and never give up we should remove from our lives anything that would get in the way and the sin that so easily holds us back amen I have felt the Lord speaking to me from this passage and I just pray that God will help me Deliver what I sense in my spirit. I want to talk to you for a few moments about our real handicaps. Our real handicaps. And everybody said amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Woo, I feel good in the house of the Lord today. Amen. It feels refreshing. The Bible said one day in your courts, is like a thousand anywhere else. There's just something about being in the presence of God and with God's people that's refreshing. 
the psalmist went on to say, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tent of the wicked. They're just... Something about being at God's house, just being a servant is a privilege and it is a great, wonderful blessing to be in the house of God today. Amen. Do you feel that way? Clap your hands to the Lord and let's praise Him. Praise God. I feel an urgency in my spirit today. I, I can't describe all that I sense going on in my mind, in my spirit, but I feel a necessity that has been laid upon me to help somebody in this house today. I feel that it is incumbent upon us this morning that we be able to hear and receive the message that our text conveys to us. And I want to challenge you by the Word of God. And I know when I say that, sometimes uh, people... Uh, feel like perhaps that I become a little too aggressive or a little too offensive. So I'm going to put the disclaimer out there right now. I didn't come here this morning to hurt your feelings, but I am going to step on your toes. Because I want to challenge you, because I have felt that same challenge of the Holy Ghost. And I have felt the Spirit of God probing and prodding me and causing me to wake up and look around and realize what is really holding me back or what is preventing me from being everything that God would desire for me to be. And I don't want to be offensive, but I am going to step on a toe or two today. I'm sure I have a good gift at doing that. I want you and I to understand this morning that we have a great purpose to fulfill. And I don't know that we can even comprehend the totality of that statement without going back and reading Hebrews chapter 11 and reading it carefully and coming to the end of that chapter that is so powerful and that has so many anointed things to say to us And yet God said those people were incomplete because he had something better that he was going to do through us and in our lives that would make them complete, that would show that their faith was not in vain. And so I feel like you and I have a great purpose to fulfill today. And we have a great reason for being here and getting up in the morning and going to church and worshiping God with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul. We don't need anything holding us back today. But I am certain that as I preach to you this morning, there are some of us sitting here that are not where we really ought to be. It's time for you and I to get anything and everything that would hinder us or get in our way and prevent us from living up to what God has purposed for you and I to live up to, it's time for you and I to get that out of the way. Whatever it is, whatever hinders us, whatever slows us down, whatever would get in our way, whatever would prevent us or hold us back 
or encumber us in our journey in God, we need to get it out of the way today. And somebody said amen. Anything that would impede our progress. And when we read Hebrews 12 and 1, we understand that Paul uses, I believe Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, some may not, but I believe he uses the analogy of a race so that we could understand and comprehend. He was riding in a time that understood the athletic arena. It was a great part of their life. And so he used that analogy to say that nobody would run a race with all of this excess weight on their body or, or these encumbrances because they are running to win. They're not just running to do an activity. And that's what I'm afraid a lot of times church is for some people. It's just an activity. It's not a spiritual pursuit to win. Amen. God's done it all. That's what we say and that's what we believe. And so we don't feel like we have anything we have to do to pay for that debt that we owe to him. We've just got it all coming our way. But I've got news to you. The New Testament church felt differently about this than we do in our modern time. When they looked at their spiritual life, they viewed it in a complete different tone and setting than you and I in modern days look at life. We look at life through the eyes of an experience or some enjoyment or some thrill or some blessing or some favor that God's going to add to our life and some good gift that God's going to give us. But when they looked at their spiritual life, they viewed it as a battle. They viewed it as a fight. They saw it as a race to win. And if they were going to be involved in it, they were going to go all out. They weren't going to let anything get in the way. It wasn't a picnic for them. It wasn't just a, 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 a diversion from their normal routine. You know, I'm, I go to church on Sunday, but all the rest of the week I do all these other things. For them, this was their life. And this was what made up their life. And they were so intent and earnest that they said, we don't want anything to get in our way or hinder us from becoming all that God has purposed for us to become. And so when you read the New Testament, it becomes abundantly clear that their view of spiritual life and our view of spiritual life were drastically different. They saw a battle. They saw a struggle because they understood that what they represented, what they stood for, there was a force and a power that hated everything they represented. They were not naive enough to think that because they confessed something or they let the Lord come into their life and fill them with His Spirit, that that was going to cause the devil to panic and go into cardiac arrest because they decided to live for God. They realized that when they made that choice to serve him, they had become a target. And they understood that. They were not intimidated by it and they were not scared by it. They just understood the arena in which they stood and where they worked and where they ran and where they labored. And so they said to themselves, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it to win. I'm going to get it all. I'm going to go all the way. I'm not going to be a half-hearted. I, I'm not. 
Amen. I was amazed. I read a verse of scripture in Isaiah yesterday, and it talks about a man cutting down a tree and how he portions that tree out in his life to certain needs. Part of that tree he uses to warm his life by. He builds a fire with. Part of that tree he builds a house and a shelter with. And part of that tree he builds a God out of and he falls down and he worships that God that he has made by his own hand. I'm telling you that we're living in an hour when that's what has become of Christianity. We've cut down our own version of it and we parcel it out so that we get out of it what we want and God's looking at us and saying, hey, you better remember what I want out of you and what I want out of you is all of you. I want every bit of you. I want everything that is in you. I want all of your heart. I want all of your soul. I want all of your mind. I want all of your spirit. While we tend to view our relationship with God through the lens of an experience, they viewed life through the lens of a warfare. And so when you read chapter 12, you understand the language more clearly. That we're in a race. We're in a race. A race to win. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, you're supposed to win this thing. Not just participate in this thing. Some people think if they just show up, God ought to be happy. They think if they show up, God ought to smile and say, Oh, I am so thrilled that they decided to focus on me today. I knew I was going to get caustic here before too long. I don't mean to sound that way, but I'm just being real today. That's that God we've created with our own hands. Anyway, I need to get away from that. I'm going to get sidetracked. So when you read chapter 12, you realize the tone of the message was of somebody that was in this all the way. They were totally sold out to God, to His purpose, to His will, to His plan for their life. They hadn't parceled and parsed out God to a certain place in their life because their schedule is so busy. You know, I can't hardly find time for God. God was at the center of everything that they did and how they lived and how they fashioned their lives. It was all affected by this view they had of Him. And now to fully understand chapter 12, you really have to go back and read chapter 11 and appreciate what is said in chapter 11 to understand what he's trying to convey to us in chapter 12. And so when you go back to the previous chapter in Hebrews, it is one of those most powerful, exciting, uplifting, uh, enlightening and encouraging portions of Scripture that you will ever find, that their faith that they held and their faith 
that they had was not lived out in a sterile environment, but it was lived out in all kind of adverse circumstances and situation. They lived in a hostile world and they lived under adverse conditions and they lived and were called in an environment that hated what they represented. And yet throughout chapter 11, you hear of a faith that sustained them and equipped them and empowered them and enabled them to do what they did and serve God in their capacity. Their faith enabled them to overcome. It empowered them to stand. It motivated them to make certain decisions. It challenged their thinking. It actuated them and activated them and stimulated them and stirred them. And if you read chapter 11, you find that faith is urging them on and faith is challenging them to go forward and faith is guiding them and leading them and faith is empowering them and ultimately their faith was going to sustain them through whatever they would face or go through. I want to say something to you this morning and you need to hear me right now. You better never underestimate the power of your faith because it is that faith that enables me to live the life that I live and it is that faith that empowers me to be what I am right now. It will empower you to face the things that you need to face in life and live through the things you need to live through. And any circumstance, in every circumstance of life that you may face, faith is more than adequate to help you deal with it and live through it and get through it. And then verse 39 tells me, that by means of their faith, they only received a portion of what God had planned for their faith because the rest of it was waiting on you and I to get here. And God was counting on a greater faith in this hour than they had in that hour because in that hour, they only had the substance They only had a shadow of it. They only had a semblance of it. But in this chapter, we have the reality of it. We have the living Christ in us. We have the Spirit of the Almighty God resident in our lives. And so now, in this hour in which we live, there should be something about our lives that is so powerful and resonant in this world that people sit up and take notice that we are living in this world and that we are here at this time. Amen. And God had us in mind through all of that. Everything in chapter 11 was with us in mind. And so when you understand that and you come into chapter 12, you understand the weight and the impact of what the writer was saying. It's therefore, therefore, what, what's therefore? What is it therefore? It's therefore what I just got through telling you. So you got to go back and look at what was there before it. And now you understand why he's saying what he's saying. Because of what you've seen in them. And they only had a limited view of me. They only knew me in part. They only knew me in a shadow. 
you know me in the fullness of the Godhead. For it dwelt in Jesus Christ's bodily. You know the fullness of his spirit because he's poured it out upon all flesh. Amen. And so with all of that in mind, all that was done was to show you what your faith can do in your life. Amen. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, people, witnesses, the word martyr is where we get, uh, we, we get that from the word witness. People who have proven the strength of faith. Their lives tell us what faith means. And the witness comes from a word that indicates a violent altercation. That it was not a picnic. It was not just a, 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 a great Sunday afternoon stroll or a ride through the park. On Saturday, but they were involved in a great struggle and they were involved in a great uh, uh, effort to try to stop what they were doing. But these men and women won out, they won over their adversity, they won in spite of their adversity, and they overcame every temptation and every problem that they faced, and they bore testimony to this fact. That faith is a powerful thing to enable you and guide you and sustain you and encourage you and empower you. Amen. And so he says, now that you know that, lay aside every weight. Lay aside every weight. Such a powerful word that is used there. And if you start studying the translations of how that word is used and how it is viewed. It's so rich in its meaning because it, it, it means a variety of things, a mass, a bulk, a burden. And, it, and, and because it is this, it is a mass, it's a bulk, it's a burden, it becomes a hindrance to my life. It becomes an encumbrance. And so the writer said, whatever that is, whatever it is, that is hindering you, that is encumbering you, that is limiting you, that is causing you to fall behind. Whatever it is, put it aside. Get rid of it. Let go of it. Amen. Lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. The, the accurate translation says, whatever it is that is holding you back. I wonder this morning, what's really holding us back? It's not what you think it is. What's holding you back from really living all out for God isn't what you think it is. Because when we think of hindrances, we think of handicaps. We think of adverse physical situations. We think of human limitations. When we view a handicap or we view a hindrance, we tend to view it from the perspective and through the lens of a human fleshly thing. We think of disadvantages 
that we'd had to deal with in our life. We're single. We're crippled. We're broken in health. We think about all that has been against us, the adversities and the troubles that we've had to face in life. We think about the physical losses or the physical limitations that we've lived with. We, we think about our poor, poor financial status. We think about the season of life that we're in right now. It, it, it's not what I thought it was going to be and it's not what I was expecting it to be. And by, I, I don't know if you've figured this out yet, but the older you get, it don't get easier. Yeah. And so many people are blaming the, what's holding them back on the season of life that they're in. They're in a transitional period in their life. And transitions are always troublesome. Some people say that what's holding them back is their job. If it wasn't for my, I don't want to use that word, boss. I know I'm not supposed to say it, but stupid, you know. If it wasn't for that jerk that I have to work for, if it wasn't for that company, if it wasn't for those people that I had to work with, we feel like that we blame that for holding us back. We blame our spouse. Yeah, we blame our spouse for being the reason why we're not as spiritual as we ought to be. If you had to live with him, if you had to live with her. Well, I don't because you picked her or you picked him. We want to blame somebody else for choices we made. And so we blame the reason that we are not all that we're supposed to be. The reason I'm really not living all out for God right now is because my family's a wreck. Because the car I drive. It's because the house I live in. It's because of the losses that I've suffered because of storms in life. It's because an insurance company didn't come through with the right amount of money for my losses that I suffered. And I wasn't real smart, so I went ahead and spent it before I got it, thinking I was going to get more than I got. Now I'm in trouble. I'm talking about what we view as hindrances, what we view as the encumbrances, what we view as the things that hold us back what we view as the handicaps that we're strapped with in life. And if it just wasn't for this place or it wasn't for that person or it wasn't for that job or it wasn't for this or that, I'd really be living for God the way I ought to be living for God. And the truth is, those aren't our real handicaps. They've never been our real handicaps. Because if you'll just open your eyes and look around you, 
you'll find other people that were in the same circumstances you're in right now, but they found a way to overcome. They found a way to win through. They found a way to work it out. They found a way to victory, and they went to that place of victory. If you don't believe it, look at history. The famous poet John Milton, he wrote Paradise Lost when he was blind. Beethoven wrote some of his most powerful music and symphonies when he was deaf. You want to talk about a handicap? You want to talk about a limitation? There was one preacher of old, and I won't call his name, but he is very famous in church history. But his wife was a pain in his life every day. She would harass him. She would harangue him. She would ridicule him. She would mock him every day he walked out of the house to go do ministry for God. And yet he preached of the grace and the mercy and the goodness of God. And if you had sat in his congregation, you would have never known the hell he had lived through to get to church. You had never known the troubles that he had had to go through because he realized that those things that happen on the outside, I cannot always control, but I can control what goes on on the inside. And you see, that's where the real trouble is today. The real trouble is not what's happening around me. The real trouble... It's what's happening within me. And that is what hinders me and keeps me and prevents me from being what I really need to be. The truth is what is doing more to handicap my life than anything else is not what I have tried to say. The people that hurt us the people that let us down. The reason some people are not involved in church right now is because somewhere back there somebody hurt them and they promised I'm never going to be hurt again. And that's, a, that's, that's you, you, well, I don't even want to go there. But there's some people that once they've gone through life and somebody irritates them, all the cats are gray. I mean, it doesn't matter what's happening. Everything's painted with these dark strokes. There's nothing bright and wonderful about their life. Everything is dull and gray and dismal. Yeah. But that's, those, those things are really not what hold us back. Because if you read chapter 11, they prove to us the setting that you're in can't prevent you from making right decisions. Moses was in Pharaoh's household. And in Pharaoh's household, there was pressure put on him to become like them. But the Bible said he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He decided something in that setting. It wasn't the setting that was going to determine his outcome. It was the mind and the spirit that he had within him that was going to determine where he was going to be and what he was going to be. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Now, I don't know if you've ever really studied that verse, but I promise you it wasn't 
what it wasn't that little hangnail that we get in life sometimes and we just fall to pieces over. Some people stub their toe and you'd think they broke their leg. They're not good for two weeks. But whatever Paul suffered was so irritating. It was like a knife in his body every day, just grinding, 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 grinding. And it was so irritating that Paul prayed, God, you need to, you, you've got to deliver. This is hindering me. This is holding me back from being everything I can be for you. Every day, he'll just ground a little deeper. He goes back to God. Don't you hear me? Don't you understand me? This is keeping me from being who I need to be. And finally, God has to speak to him and say, Paul, that thorn is not your problem. Your problem is your attitude toward that thorn. And if you understand that that thorn is nothing compared to my grace for your life, it'll stop irritating you like it's irritating you. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. There are no ideal circumstances in which you and I get to live out this life of faith. So get over it. Amen. There's no ideal setting. There's no place you're ever going to get in this world where every morning angels are going to wake up and say, Oh, I'm so glad you're here. You're doing so good. Go for it, boy. Get up and go do it. Go get the world. You might as well pull the covers back over your head and go back to sleep because it ain't going to happen. Well, I'm not getting out of bed until they bring me my cup of coffee. Give me a break, folks. Whatever hurt you, whatever hindered you, whatever crippled you so much that you can't fix your own cup of coffee. Now I'm meddling. So what really hinders us? I got to hurry. I said I wasn't going to be long. and I'm, What really holds me back? I believe the Passion Translation gives us a revelation to what it might be. I don't know if you got it, if you could put up the Passion Translation of Hebrews 12 and 1. But listen to what it is translated as saying in this, this portion of Scripture. He said, so we must let go, listen to me, of every wound... We must let go of every wound that has pierced us. You see, the problem was not out here. The problem was in here. And because of my own wounds that I suffer in life, if I am not careful, I can allow them to be the thing that keeps holding on to me, pulling me back down. 
pushing me away from God, keeping me from an altar, keeping me from forgiving somebody, keeping me from loving somebody. Because of that arrow, and this is the literal translation, it speaks of an arrow tip that has been lodged in the body and broken off. And though there is no outside physical evidence of it, inside is that arrowhead still eating away at my spirit. And some, and the singer of, of Hebrews said, the problem that hinders me is not the setting that I'm in. But it's the mind and the spirit in which I live in that setting. There are some wounds that have happened in some of your lives that's causing you to be held back. You're, you're not living where you ought to live and you're not doing all you should do because somewhere... I was hurt. Somewhere I was wounded. And so the writer said it's time to get rid of the arrow tip that's in there that's eating away at my spirit. Hear me this morning, Greater Life Church. It's time for some of us to come to a place in God where we can get all of that bitterness out of us and all of that hurt out of us and all of that anger out of us and lay it down at an altar and realize it's not what's happened to me that's hurting me. It's what I'm doing to myself that's hurting me and what's limiting me in my life for God. The real handicaps to my life are not without. They are within. They are the mind and the spirit. They are the mind and the spirit. Many are crippled today because of stinking thinking. It doesn't matter how somebody compliments you. It doesn't matter that your spouse says the kindest things to you. The only thing you can remember is... I'm carrying that around with me. And so the Spirit of God has sent me today to help us, help me realize that you are not my problem, that you're not my trouble, that whatever you do to me, it may hurt me, but it cannot kill me. It's not what's going on out here 
that's keeping me from living the way I ought to live for God or being the person God wants me to be. It's what I'm allowing to go on in here and in here that's keeping me bound. And the writer of Hebrews was saying, Oh, listen to me. Wake up and hear me today. Quit letting that stop you. Quit letting that hinder you. Quit letting that destroy your life. I'm gonna, I've got to close it. You can stand. Wounds that never heal. Resentments that fester and go unchecked. Listen to me. Injustices that we suffer in life and we cannot get past them. You know what's amazing to me? is how unwilling we are to really forgive those who have offended us, those who have hurt us. And the reason that I know that is because we keep talking about it. We're embittered by something that happened. We're hurt because we were passed over. We're wounded. Our pride. Oh God, help me right now. I I have felt this so strongly over the last few weeks that the greatest hindrance to my life is not what anybody has done to me. It's the wounded pride that I keep nurturing and fostering in my own heart. It is that ego that gets in the way. It is that self that keeps showing up. And I feel justified. I've been done wrong. People said things that hurt me. People did things that wounded me. But the writer of Hebrews said there's something more important than that going on and that's your life the race that you're involved in and you've got to win it and you're not going to win it hanging on to all that stuff you're not going to win it trying to drag all that stuff with you you know what I've never seen in a funeral procession I've never seen the bank being drawn behind the hearse I've never seen the house being drawn behind the hearse. I've never seen all the possessions that we clamor to have behind the hearse. The things that post our ego and make us feel so good about ourselves. Naked, I came into the world and I'm going to leave that way. And I feel like today the reason there's conflict in people's lives It's not because it's unresolvable, but because there is a pride that has been wounded. And I'm unwilling to humble myself and take the high road and say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Oh, I would to God that he would speak to us today. 
because this church is on its way somewhere. And I am certain today that God wants all of us involved and he wants all of us participating. But there's some, the reason it's so hard to worship is because I've got all this stuff hanging on me. I've got all these extra things. What's happened to me? Listen to me. I've never in all my life become more angry at anybody in my life like I was at an insurance company when we were going through our flood. You wake up in the morning and you hate them. You go to sleep at night and you hate them. But I came to realize that that insurance company was not what was holding me back. That insurance company didn't have that kind of power over my life. What was holding me back was my own stinking thinking. And when I finally came to realize that none of this caught God by surprise, what's happened in my life didn't catch God off guard. He knew what was happening. He knows what's going on. And so if he knew it, then certainly he could prepare me for it. And if he knew it, he can keep me through it. And so God, insurance company or not, we're going to build a church and look at what the Lord's done. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that to brag on anything other than the fact that when you get your eyes off of the stuff that you think is bothering you or hindering you and get it on what's really bothering you and deal with that, you can overcome any obstacle. You can overcome any adversity. You can outlive anything going wrong in your life. Some people are, I don't want to say they're blessed with it, But there's something with it, a critical and cynical spirit. And I wonder, what made you that way? What made me that way? That negative outlook on life, that negative response. It doesn't matter if they wrote you tomorrow and said you have won a million dollars. You're going to think, well, why wasn't it two? God, I need you to provide for my need. And you say, God, I need $1,000. God blesses you with $100. God, I need you to help me. What's wrong, God? What I've learned about living for God is if I don't learn how to praise Him for the little things that He does in my life, I'll never be able to understand or appreciate the big things that He's doing in my life. What I'm saying today is the real handicap in my life is not what I think it is. It's not beside you. It's not in front of you. It's not behind you. If there's anything that's holding me back today, It is that arrow that's been broken off in my spirit and I need to get it out. 
I need the Holy Ghost to do surgery on me today because I don't want to carry that with me anymore. I'm tired of dragging all this stuff. You know, it's, that's, that's hard work to have to do that every day, just bringing all that stuff with you. Why don't you lay it down? Why don't you let it go? Why don't you let go of it right now? Just release it. Say, God, I can't change that person. I can't change this situation. I can't alter my circumstances. I, I, I can't do this. I can't do that. But I can do this. God, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to thank you for every victory you give me. I'm going to bless your name. I'm going to worship you for all that you've done in my life. I'm going to be thankful every day that I live because you have given me the opportunity to do these things. God, I'm asking you to help me have understanding as to what your divine purpose is in my life come on let's pray come on church let's pray come on let's pray let's meet at the altar today and pray God I need you to touch me this morning I need you to strengthen me today I need you to cleanse my mind and my thinking and my heart and my spirit wash me God I'm tired of creating my own God and my own version of God I'm I'm tired of attitude that poison me and nothing Lord can handicap me like an unwillingness to face myself God nothing can handicap me like the unwillingness to face the truth about what I am and who I am what hinders us this morning, God, from freedom and victory isn't what is against us. It's what is in us. God, today I need you to wash my mind. I want you to cleanse my heart. I want to leave it all at the altar today. I want to leave it all at the altar today. I don't want to take any of this stuff with me. I'm going to leave it here. I'm going to put it down. I'm going to refuse to carry it another day. I'm going to put it beside the altar and I'm going to leave it there. Oh God, get rid of that arrow that's in my soul and my spirit. I want to get rid of that burden that I'm carrying, that hindrance and handicap to my life, God. I'm not where I am today because of anybody other than myself, God. I need you to help me today. I need you to help me this morning. I need you to cleanse me. I want to be free of this. I want to be washed. Oh, God, I want to be washed. I want to get rid of it today. 